Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Jesus had a mission for his disciples, and he didn't wait for them to be perfect, but he expected them to be faithful, to give their all. So are you all in? Join us for the message, All In. Good morning and welcome here to worship at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas, and happy Mother's Day. We're so grateful that all of you could join us today. You know, Jesus had a mission for his disciples, and he didn't wait for them to become perfect for them to go out and fulfill their mission. What he did expect is that they would be faithful to give their all. So are you all in? We'll be talking about that later during our message, All In. And for today's scripture, we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10 and 16 through 20. Now listen to the word of God. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, there they will see me. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The women had come back from the tomb with an unbelievable tale. Mary Magdalene and the other women had gone to the tomb of Jesus early on that first Sunday morning. It was unusual to go to the tomb of someone who had just died in order to mourn, but The women were motivated by something other than just their grief. They had this restless sense of undefined expectation. What did they think that they might find there? Surely they did not expect a great earthquake or to see an angel descend from heaven wrapped in dazzling white who would roll back this heavy stone. They didn't expect the tomb guards to fall into a dead faint. And they most assuredly did not expect the tomb in which just days ago they had seen Jesus' body laid out, to now be empty, with the unneeded grave clothes now discarded off to the side. And then the angel had a message to share with them. Do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. 
He is not here. He has been raised, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. Though the angel said, Do not be afraid, the text says they still left the tomb in fear, but not just fear. They were also overcome with a profound sense of joy, and that joy swelled up to new heights when suddenly Jesus appeared to them to greet them. And it says that women rushed to them and they fell at his feet, never wanting to let go again. And then they heard the warmth of his voice as he said, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. If the women went back with what was at first an unbelievable tale, well, the other disciples must have eventually taken them at their word. It's interesting that in the other Gospels, Jesus appears to the core disciples and to others in Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem area on Easter Day and in the days afterwards. But in the Gospel of Matthew, there are no appearances in Jerusalem other than to the women who went to the tomb on that first Easter morning. The men would have to wait. They would have to wait until they returned to Galilee to see Jesus for themselves. And so then we come to this closing scene of the Gospel of Matthew. And it takes only five verses. But these five verses are among the most dense in all of Scripture. Because so much is contained here. For these five verses include four of the biggest ideas that we find in the entire Christian faith. And each idea is associated with the Greek word pas, which is the English word all, as in the phrase all in. So to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we must commit. We must be all in. Before Jesus reveals these four ideas, Matthew tells us, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, when we read this verse, we're immediately reminded that this inner core of disciples now number 11, not 12. One had deserted them and then really betrayed them all. And this was not a shining band of brothers, but a bruised and battered and deeply traumatized collection of very imperfect men whose faith and courage had proven to come and go with alarming regularity. When they first set eyes on Jesus, Matthew tells us that they worshipped him, but also doubted. But the text doesn't tell us exactly what, what were they doubtful of. Did they doubt their own eyes? Did they doubt that this was truly Jesus? Did they doubt that perhaps Jesus had never really died? Did they doubt that Jesus would want anything to do with them after their cowardly performance? on that night that Jesus had been arrested? Did they doubt themselves? That they would never be worthy of the trust that Jesus had put in them? Or had they simply been too hurt and too traumatized by recent events to allow themselves even a glimmer of hope once more? But they had just enough faith to show up one more time, and this time on the mountain in Galilee where it all began. In the Gospel of Matthew, mountains hold a special significance. After all, it's on a mountain that Jesus preaches his most famous sermon. It's there in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. 
It's on a mountain where Jesus was transfigured before the eyes of Peter, James, and John. And it is on a mountain where Satan tempted Jesus as he fasted 40 days after his baptism by John. It says in chapter 4, The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. By so often placing Jesus on a mountain, Matthew wants us to recognize the continuity between Jesus and the great prophetic figures of Moses and Elijah, both of whom met God on a mountain. It was on Mount Sinai, for example, that the Torah, or the law, was revealed to Moses. And God is now doing a new thing from the crest of this mountain. And not just any mountain, it's a mountain in Galilee. We don't know specifically which mountain, but we know it's in Galilee. And Galilee is where the ministry all began. And even earlier, back in that fourth chapter, Matthew saw this as a fulfillment of what had been spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. And so now we get to see just how the light had come to Galilee of the Gentiles. So on this mountain in Galilee, Matthew tells us that Jesus approached the disciples and Jesus came and said to them, whatever shortcomings, whatever doubts that that 11 might possess, Jesus has a mission for them and he tends for their mission to be a continuation of Jesus' own ministry. And so here now start these four great ideas. Again, each associated with the Greek word pass, which is the English word all. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What Satan had promised Jesus on that mount of temptation, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me, they've now been bestowed upon Jesus by God the Father. You see, all his life, Jesus had been seen as a threat to the political order of the day. King Herod the Great was threatened by the message that there was a birth of a new king when the wise men came to inquire where this new king may have been born. And so as a result of Herod's fear, all the male children two years old and under were murdered in the village of Bethlehem. And at his crucifixion, Jesus had the sign fixed over his head that says, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. The claims of the early church that Jesus, and not Caesar, was the true king, the true son of God, the Lord and savior of the people. These were perceived as political threats by the Roman Empire. And you know, the Roman Empire was right. Jesus had been and would continue to be a threat, just not really in the way that they expected. After proclaiming his own authority, Jesus gave his disciples their final instructions. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And again, there's, a, there's that word all there. They're not to stay on that mountain. They're not even to stay in Galilee. They're to go. Silent and staying put, those are not options. The Greek uses the verb form of the word disciple. So in a way, a more literal translation might be 
Go therefore and discipleize all nations. Sometimes I like to make up words in English. Go therefore and discipleize all nations. Because this is a very active process. We're to go and to be very deliberate in following, following Jesus' final instructions. And there will be no nations, no peoples that are to be left out or ignored. All the peoples of the earth are included because now all people are called to be God's people. So how do we go and discipleize the nations? Well, we baptize and we teach. We baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, in this line, we should not read into this line the sophisticated theology of the Trinity that would later develop through the first few centuries of the church, but it does show that the seeds of this theology are found in the earliest recollections of the disciples, and that new Christians were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. And then after we baptize, we teach, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Now, I love to teach, and I love theology, and I love doctrine. And while I think teaching the intricacies of Jothar and theology are incredibly important, there is something that is more important, and that is to teach the peoples to obey and follow the teachings of Jesus and to look to Jesus as the example for how to live their own lives. Acting like Jesus, loving like Jesus is ultimately more important than what we believe about Jesus. Even as Christians of different stripes have come to some contradictory opinions over doctrine and theology, and certainly during this season of disaffiliations from the United Methodist Church, we must never stop loving each other. For as Paul said, if we do not love, we're nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Even if we have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, we are nothing. So now we've encountered three of Jesus' uses of the word all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. We're to go and baptize, or excuse me, to discipleize all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are to teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. There's still left one more use of the word all. Though this is not as, as apparent in the typical translation of this very last verse of the Gospel of Matthew. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This has always been one of my favorite verses. But I might add now a more literal translation. And look, I am with you all the days until the consummation of the age. And that's that final use of the word all. Christ is to be with us all the days of our lives. Just as Matthew said at the beginning of his gospel, when the angel appeared to Joseph in his dream and told him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for this child is going to be a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Where it says, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us all our days, even into the end of the age. Now, many of you have asked about this new large candle that we have added to the chancel area up here. 
I've heard a few complaints by those who had to light that candle that was very, very tall. I'm not pointing to anyone in particular. <laughs> uh, it's called uh, a Paschal candle, Paschal based on the Greek word for Easter. And the Paschal candle is used during the season of Easter, that is the seven weeks after Easter, to symbolize the presence of the risen Christ. And we'll continue to use it until Pentecost Sunday. And it can also be used for baptisms and for funerals, memorial services as a sign of the deceased dying and rising with Christ. The worship team actually purchased this very candle during my first year here. But between COVID and our flood, it's been in storage. And so this is the first year, my fourth year here, that we've had a chance to actually use it. And the Paschal candle reminds us that God, the risen Christ, is with us all the days of our lives and all the days until history itself is consummated. These last five verses in Matthew are often called the Great Commission. It encapsulated, encapsulates Jesus' final instructions to the church, that is, Jesus' final instructions to us. And sometimes people have thought of the Great Commission in militaristic terms as Jesus' final marching orders. And as a result, there have been many times in history that these words have been used as a justification to go out and conquer and subjugate other nations, presumably to bring Christianity to the world, and then, at least while we're at it, to also take whatever natural resources they might have. But the best way to teach the commandments of Jesus is to make ourselves a living and breathing example of Christ's love, not to come in as a conquering force. We sometimes think of the Great Commission as the mission of the church. That is, Christ established the church and then sent us on a mission. But I think a better way to look at this, and really a more biblical way to look at this, is that God had a mission, a mission of grace and reconciliation. And because God had this mission of grace and reconciliation, so therefore God created the church. The church was made for mission, not mission for the church. And so how is God's mission of reconciliation in the world being fulfilled by Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas? Well, John Wesley said the world was his parish. So where is God calling us to go? To whom are we being led to tell the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ? Who are we being called to discipleize, to baptize, and to teach? I'm really very excited about the presence of Trinity this year at the Pride Festival at Fair Park on Saturday, June 3rd. Several of our fellow reconciling congregations are also going to be participating but I want to ask, where else in the world are we being called? Who right here in Duncanville needs our presence and our care in order to feel God's love? And these are questions that only the congregation can answer. As a pastor, I can lead, I can equip the saints. But ultimately, it's something that you must decide. In order for the ministry of this church to be fruitful, then this mission has to be embraced by the whole church. So the direction of mission to which God is calling us has to be revealed to all of us together. Jesus has told us that all authority has been given to him. We're to make disciples of all nations. 
and we're to teach them all Jesus has commanded. And furthermore, Jesus has promised to be with us all of our days. So the question remains, how will we respond? The disciples worshipped, but they also doubted. I think that tells us that we're not supposed to wait until we're perfect disciples to go fulfill the mission. We're supposed to go right now. So, are you all in? Amen. And so now receive this benediction. From before the beginning of all things to beyond the end of all things, Christ is with us. So go and be the face of Christ to all you meet along the way. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Join us next Sunday as we explore the ascension of Jesus Christ. You can always access our services through our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, tumcd.org. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.